What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. This is your now beardless Matt Hensley, joined as always by Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman, who is also moderately beardless, so he does still have that nasty goatee, but all God's people are called to pursue the Great Commission, and that includes Kyle, that includes me, and that includes you. So if you are looking for theological education that includes both academic rigor and hands-on ministry experience, we suggest Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Whatever theological foundation you need, they'll help you build it. Whatever ministry experience it takes, they'll help you find it. And wherever God calls, they'll help you get there. Whether you're just beginning your journey or have decades of experience, Southwestern Seminary is committed to helping you live your calling. Learn more at swibbits.edu forward slash admissions. And Kyle, I want to say this in faith. By the time this goes live, the Astros are up three to two. Uh, but I'm not sure. All right. There, there, there you go. You... <laughs> You, you, you made the call. <laughs> Actually, though, I, I will say, here, here's what's crazy. It's like there, I, I have a list that I created on Twitter where it's all of the Astro follows that, that I like, either some of the podcasts or the players or uh, the beat writers, all that kind of stuff, uh, where I can keep up with that when I want to, but it's not on my feed. That's that's left for like the 10 people that I don't have muted. And, uh, and so, so anyway, I went to there. And before the series, it was like, all of them, their name was like Astros and four, Astros and four, you know, Brian McTaggart or whatever. And and then then they lost game one and everybody changed it to Astros and five, Astros and five. Right now, of course, we're recording this on Wednesday morning after we got just straight shellacked by <laughs> the Phillies. Uh, everybody is Astros and six. And, and then I think some are already really panicking. Uh, but man, the Phillies atmosphere from people that were there. I think they're saying that kind of the media is kind of hyping that up a little bit, that it's no different than other games that we've ever played on the road. I mean, we usually get the loudest of all boos yeah. of any other team uh, for, for obvious reasons. But uh, I think it was pretty clear that whatever Lance McCullers was doing last night was not working. Was yeah, that, that dude was uh, tipping his pitches in, oh, a, in a big, big way. and. Yeah. Uh, now, if you're Zach Greinke, you can get away with like telling them like exactly sure. what I'm about to say. Sure. Lance McCullers, yeah. not so much. Yeah. It was just batting practice. I felt like it was a home run derby. In fact, set a record. Uh, that's always good when you're on the wrong side of a record. But we I'm familiar with that. Been there, been there lots of times been as a Rangers there, fan. Done that as a Rangers fan. <laughs> however, however, how, how one one point that you can get a little bit of satisfaction is is that a Ranger won a World Series game. Yes. Rangers yes. Suarez. They're completely yep. unconnected to the Rangers as the organization. I, that's that's enough. I'm, I'm a fan. It was named after the, <laughs> the nearly world champion Texas Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. So so first of all, uh, quickly, how are you doing? How you I'm doing, doing all right. Yeah, it is. It is November. So you know what that means. Uh, Christmas music has made its I've actually, appearance. I, I've joined you in that. I will say that I'm going to have like a four-day moratorium on Christmas music uh, from Thanksgiving to probably Sunday. I'm going to take a break, 
and I'm going right back into it. But I'm I'm all in on the Christmas music. So so I actually broke my rule. Um, So typically, November first, the first Christmas album that I listen to all I want for Christmas is is, uh, uh, the Robertson Family Christmas, the Duck Dynasty guys. It's it's awful, and I love it. and so that's usually like that. That's just kind of become my like kick off the uh, the, the Christmas season. Um, however, our friends at Chosen Road uh, released a Christmas album last week, and um, Appalachian Christmas. And so um, I broke my rule. I listened to that one through uh, one day last week. Um, they have some really cool special guests. Um, Guy Penrod, who's if you know, or the the uh, He's now vocal the gray-headed band. Jesus. Yeah. And Point of Grace. They brought Point of Grace onto the um onto the the album as well. And so it's a lot of fun. It's all on all, Grace. Yes. <laughs> it's on all the streaming uh all all streaming platforms. I encourage you to go check out Appalachian Christmas by Chosen Road. There's a free plug for you this morning. But yeah, Christmas season is full in full blast here. Um and uh, getting ready to start decorating slowly kind of as a as a um do that over the course of many days here. Yeah. But looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, it is so good to see you. And this is one of the first that we don't have a guest on for a minute. We've mm-hmm. had a few guests. Uh, but but in my world, let me just say this. Jared Cornett, one of the co-hosts of Potluck Podcast that we normally share on Tuesdays, uh, recently had a baby. Uh, Charlotte, I think is what they're calling her. So probably going to be a Lottie is going to be my guest. Uh, actually, I know that. and uh, But I, I sent him a little word of encouragement. And so for for the parents that are listening in, particularly those maybe with little kids or with teens, or maybe those that have now left them out of the nest or sent them on their way or just gave up and like, just go. Uh, This is just a word of encouragement for you. And it says this, if you're struggling with your toddlers now, don't worry. It changes. Not for good though. It actually gets worse, way worse. Like, horrifyingly worse. I hope this helps you. So on that note, <laughs> on that note, Kyle, it's good to see you. We're doing well. And uh, I'm actually leaving today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'm about to go to Irving, uh, to MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church uh, for a church planting assessment with the North American Mission Board in the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. And uh, so looking forward to that, I get to do communication uh, because clearly I'm an expert at that. Uh, expert at what not to say in the pulpit, most definitely. But uh, but anyway, looking forward to to a time of equipping and assessing and so forth there. But we're not talking about parenting. We're not talking about the World Series, thank God. And uh, we're not talking about really even church planting. But in church revitalization, there are a few things that we need to consider for ongoing work towards revitalization. Because Kyle, one day, one day, the church starts to growing, and then suddenly you're like, oh, wait, we're stagnant again. Yeah. What did we do? What is going on? You kind of get in a rough patch, or maybe you feel like you kind of get stuck in mud a little bit in the ministry along the way, because we talk about the life cycle of a church on, on, on this church planting side. We talk about birth and growth, then eventually plateau, stagnation, decline, and then death. Uh, and so maybe your church saw some growth and, and saw some sparks of life, and then you've hit a little rough patch. And so we want to talk a little bit uh, about revitalization and in uh, some areas that we can change and address to keep it going, 
Yeah. And so, Kyle, let's uh, let's start. I think you actually wrote this article. Um, yep. I don't know why they published it, but anyway, there are four areas that ongoing revitalization is a reality in your church, and the first being buildings and facilities. Let me just give you a quick example here. If your church was built in like the 1800s, like First Baptist Church Hogwarts, there's a lot of change that's going to have to happen yeah. to your building. Uh, and so some of this is going to be obvious. Some of this is going to depend upon where you're at. Uh, maybe like at First Alamogordo, you had too much building for what y'all were doing, and, and the upkeep was a little overwhelming. This we're even dealing with with the Colin Baptist Association. Our building is in disrepair, and we're just bleeding money into it uh, to to ultimately come to the point where we're going to sell it and and move into a mobile uh, work environment. But but anyway, let's talk about buildings and facilities first. I've talked too much, Kyle. Uh, save us. Yeah, yeah. So I started with this one, not because it's the most important. Built buildings are certainly not the most important thing when it comes to your church and your ministry. But they're also they, they can also be easily neglected to the point that they become a burden. And then they begin to suck money and resources away from um, other ministry that could be done. So if you are in a position where you know your your building is a burden, um consider some ways to relieve that burden right now so sometimes that's moving sometimes that's selling the building um i, I think a trend that we're going to see in the next several years is multiple congregations meeting at a single building so uh, right now for, for instance at, at highland baptist here in lubbock we have three churches that meet on our campus on sunday morning we have a uh we obviously highland baptist we have a bilingual church called Grace Church. And then, um, Matt, we have a Congolese church that meets here as well. And um, so we have, we have three churches that meet in our, in our facilities. I think this is going to become more and more of a reality as building costs skyrocket. Um, you know, we've talked a lot, <laughs> in our culture right now, there's a lot of talk of inflation, um, which means, I mean, it's not, not only can buildings get out of repair really quickly and need to be fixed, but the cost of addressing those things is going up. So you lose an air conditioner. That's not a cheap fix. Um, and then just kind of the ongoing maintenance of paint and carpet and, and the, the wear and tear that happens from a building that's hopefully being used more than just one day a week, right? That, that where, where ministry is happening throughout the week. Um, and so this is this is going to be an ongoing reality in the life of the church that, that there will always be something to address with a building if you want to keep it in good shape and not let it get to the point where where it's going to be unmanageable. Yeah, and I think one one kind of pro tip here is it might not be bad uh, to get maybe your your pastor friend up the road or or just somebody else that doesn't regularly go to your church and and just do a walkthrough. Because one of the things, especially if you've been there, like when you first went into that church, you probably noticed some of the stains in the ceiling tiles, some of the stains in the carpet or some of the areas where the paint was peeling, whatever it is. But you're there for a while. And it's kind of like that old uh, sermon illustration that people use with the frog and the boiling water. You know, it's like, you know, if, if you see it and you just are dropped into it, then you see that stuff immediately. If you're just kind of boiling with it and kind of getting old with the building. You may not notice it. And so sometimes a, a very easy way to address this is to bring in somebody with fresh eyes and just do a walk through through the building, the outside, the inside, uh, and see, of course, the first impressions on the outside. Are there any overgrown trees or things you're just not seeing anymore if you've been there for a while? 
And then on the inside is, is the signage up to date, all of that kind of stuff that you may not notice anymore, but you bring in somebody uh, from, from the outside can see that really quick, then take them out to lunch and, and make them, you know, or, or have them share that list with you of maybe some things you can address, turn it over to your buildings committee, whatever it is, and, uh, and get to work on it. Kyle? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think one of the things about buildings is they can become overwhelming at times. Um, if, if you look at everything that needs to be done, right, it can be, um, it can be debilitating because you can look at it. I mean, in many churches, there are probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of work that could be done. I think the, the key is to start small, start with something that you can do and build momentum at a time. I mean, so, you know, it's amazing what just a new, a fresh coat of paint does in a classroom. Um, you know, some, some wall art, um, something small, it, it can really help refresh a space without spending just a ton of money to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even consider it kind of like the debt snowball, make your list, maybe from cheapest to, to most expensive and, uh, and just start knocking things off. Number two is evangelism. And I love what you said. As long as there are folks in your, in your community who don't know Christ, uh, your work of evangelism isn't done. And so, uh, you know, as long as there's people that Jesus died for in your neighborhood, uh, you have a job to do. And so let's talk about kind of addressing the ongoing revitalization in regards to evangelism. And I hope you make Dr. Matt Queen proud. Good luck. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's always, uh, there's always room to ask, is the evangelism strategy that our church has effective? Um, is it, you know, are, are we, do we have people involved in it? Is it simple enough that um, preschoolers to senior adults can understand it? Um, you know, and, and whatever that strategy is, whether that's going out door to door, whether that's uh, training your people to be on mission at work, whatever. Um, the, the reality is that, that strategies over time, and, and, and especially if you're using programs that have been put out recently, those can grow stagnant. And so it's always good just to ask, is this effective? Is there anything we can tweak to help our people live more evangelistic lives, to help live their lives on mission, um, and to continue sharing the truth of the gospel with the folks in our, in our communities. Um, it doesn't mean you have to revamp everything every six months, but, but I do think it's good to just ask the question, you know, what needs to be tweaked? Um, where are these areas where, uh, you know, things are going really well, where are the things that, that we're not hitting, you know, whatever, if you call them goals or where, where we're just not hitting the mark of, of what we want to be as an evangelistic church. Yeah. And, uh, and another Pro tip here, I guess, is we are coming up on Christmas, yep. and uh, and so this would be a great time maybe to to have some kind of a Christmas program at your your church or some kind of a Christmas event, uh, you know, whatever it might be, something simple uh, that that yes, the whole come and see thing is is not a long term uh, evangelism strategy, but it's a great get your toe wet strategy. Uh, if your people can learn that they're not going to actually get like consumed by a monster if they invite somebody to church, then maybe that first step, then then they might can take a next step into telling them their testimony and then maybe sharing the full gospel and so forth. And so sometimes just starting a conversation with a lost person is like the 
first step that will lead to so many more because they'll find out that these aren't like some kind of unicorn in the wild, that these are normal people that Jesus loved and they can have a conversation with them and it doesn't have to be super weird. And so having something, uh, you know, either a Christmas dinner or a Christmas concert or something around this season, Christmas tree lighting where you're going to be up there and, and sharing the gospel, whatever it might be, something easy that people would want to come to and and then send your folks out to invite. And, and that's a good kind of first step. Second step is just hire Dr. Matt Queen to come and <laughs> you know, if you're not going to equip him, bring in Dr. Queen. He can do it. And, and, I th- and I think there's there's an important thing that you mentioned. That is, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those two holidays present um, opportunities for low-hanging fruit for evangelism, um, where, like you said, I mean, you do a candlelight service, folks will show up because they want to be a part of, uh, of the Christmas celebration. You know, Thanksgiving dinners, um, if, you, if your church does any kind of like Thanksgiving baskets, I mean, there are some really, really simple um evangelism strategies here that can be very effective as we come up to the um to the holidays so so be sure to not neglect the low-hanging fruit that's there um especially this time of year number three this goes hand in hand with evangelism because it's it's all like you know one side of a two-sided coin so so you've got discipleship right so we tell people about jesus get them saved and then what uh, you know, and, and we need to have a process. We need all of that. And, uh, and, and I like how you, you point out that some of our strategies can also grow stagnant over time. If, if your discipleship strategy is ultimately just come to Sunday school where you're going to learn a little more and that kind of deal, that might need a little refreshing and, and at least some more intentionality with it. So let's talk about discipleship. That's your third one. Discipleship. Take us, take us here. Yeah. So what, I, what I would say is you don't have to always be chasing the newest um, discipleship strategy that's that's available at Lifeway or Mardell's or you know the, the newest book that's published. You, you don't have to chase that. Find something that works in your context, um, whether that's a curriculum that you use, whether that's an informal, uh, you know, just kind of meeting over and, and, and going through scripture, whatever works in the rhythm and the, the culture of your church, find something and use it to make disciples. But just like evangelism, you, you have to go back and reevaluate that from time to time and ask, okay, how is this strategy, whatever our strategy is, how is that helping people grow more like Christ? How is that helping equip them to share their faith? How is it helping them to live as believers in a, in a world where there's so much uncertainty? Um, how, how are we equipping our people to live on mission in their workplaces and in their schools? And, and these are just, these are good questions to, to ask, you know, a couple of times a year and, and just see much like an evangelism strategy. Is there something that we need to revamp? You don't have to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater and restart over every six months. In fact, I would say that's not healthy either, but you, you, you do need to evaluate and, and see what you can tweak to help your discipleship strategy grow. And, and like you said, I mean, th- this does go hand in hand with the evangelism side of things as well, um, because it's it, it's 1B of, of the the walk of faith, right? You, you, you want to get them saved, but then you want to help them grow in um, in their faith. And, and the reality is we have a lot of people in our churches that have never been discipled in a meaningful way other than Sunday school um, and, or, oh, you know, coming to worship. Station. Oh, well, yeah. 
But but yeah, and, and a pro tip here, again, uh, timely because November, December, January, people are going to have their New Year's resolutions, all of that kind of stuff. This may be a great time to consider a church-wide maybe memory verse memorization, you know, a scripture verse memorization, um, a Bible through the year type plan where or or at least a weekly reading that y'all are going to read together as a church. And then maybe throughout the week, you could send some devotional thoughts about a text that it is another level of work, but that's part of your job as equipping the saints for the work of ministry, discipling them and so forth. Uh, and so, so think through some ways that in the new year, you can kind of re-engage your people into the word of God. And, uh, and so maybe that's the reading plan. Maybe that's a uh, you know, scripture memory, whatever it might be, think of some ways in the start of the year to kind of harness people wanting to, you know, be more active at church or read through the Bible, whatever it might be, and help them through it and encourage them to stick with it. Number four, teams and or com- committees. I want to go ahead and give you my pro tip. End them all. Every single one. <laughs> Talk to us about teams and or committees. Yeah. So I think the the big point here is that teams and committees are wonderful servants of your church. They are terrible masters. Amen. Um, And and when you get churches and they're in need of revitalization, a lot of times what you'll have are a church that was, say, at one point, 250 people uh, has dwindled down to about 50. And yet they still have the same number of teams or committees that they had when they were at 250. And so what you have are multiple people serving in multiple roles, uh, which can lead to burnout in, in a hurry. If you know, if you're if you have folks that are attending four or five, six committee meetings a month, um, that, that can burn them out quickly. On the flip side of that, if you if you're at a church that's in the growth stage, um, and this would apply to, to say church plants, and 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 as you begin to grow, you still have the same number of teams and committees that you had when you were 40, and now you're 150, you probably need to rethink that as well, because the same thing can happen. There can be a lot more burden, a lot more work put on people serving on those teams that you could spread across multiple teams. So again, this is something that's good to evaluate probably once a year, just to go back and ask, okay, the are the teams that we have effective? Are the committees that we have serving their purpose? Um, and I understand a lot of times, you know, ministry teams or committees are probably written into the bylaws of the church. So, so sometimes changing those um, means changing your bylaws. And I would say it's absolutely worth it if in order to set those up. So I remember what we did in Alamogordo. I think we had kind of a couple of set committees, like the the personnel and finance. We knew that would be one for always and forever. Um, and then we had a church council. We knew that would be one always and forever. But beyond that, um, b- beyond that, there were no other real committees that were set in stone. And so we had the ability to, you know, kind of form some teams, um, dissolve teams if we needed to. Um, but you don't want to be a church that whose structure is defined by a re, but by a church reality from the past, right? So, so you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to have your your church structure that says, well, we have to have these ten committees, but we only have fifty people <laughs> to yeah. staff them. Um, and 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 likewise, you don't want to say we only have these committees, and yet we need more. Um, you, the, again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. These are wonderful servants, teams, committees. Um, if they're done well, 
they will serve your church well. They will they will help you accomplish your purpose. They will help you do ministry well. Um, but if they are the thing that drives your church, um, it can lead to burnout in a hurry for and, and a whole lot of frustration on your part as pastor and on church members as well. All right. I already gave you the pro tip on that one. Just cut them all. Yep. <laughs> cut them all out. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, the 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 final thing I, I want to add a number five, and I want to ask everybody that's listening right now. As soon as this is over, uh, well, leave us a five star review. We haven't asked anybody to do that in a minute, but anyway, you can do that. Visit swivets.edu. Visit our sponsors. But the other third thing that we want to give you to do for a little bit of homework is right now, right when you're done, go to your church website your church Facebook, and if your church has a Twitter, go to your Twitter, all your social media, all of your website, all of that kind of stuff. I want you to make sure right now that on the very front page that you're going to see, as soon as you load that website, your address and the times that you gather, right? You can add some more information, all that kind of stuff. And, and yes, your calendar needs to be updated, all of those kinds of things too. But I've just found when either we're somebody somewhere that I'm preaching or somewhere we're we're going to visit that I am like digging through the website to find the address or to find the time to worship. And so a quick, easy way to do that is whatever your cover photo is on Facebook or Twitter, have it in there. You know, so if it's your sermon series banner or a picture of your church, you know, we welcome you. We hope to see you at, at 11 a.m. at, and then the, you know, whatever the address is. On your Twitter banner, same thing. On your website, just make sure that that very first thing, uh, or that very first screen that you see before they have to start searching and looking and all of that kind of stuff is your address. I only say that, that, that is clearly a reaction to the churches that I've, I've looked at websites here lately. And, uh, and so just make sure that that is very easily accessible uh, because that's usually going to be the very kind of that front door of your church. And so people are going to find your church by Facebook. You put that ad up there or people find it on when they search for a church in your area uh, that they, they need to find out right away where you are, when they need to be there. And maybe some, you know, you can have some frequently asked questions about what do I wear? What kind of Bible do, should I bring? You know, all that kind of stuff too, sure. But make sure it's easy to find where you gather and when. Kyle, any other final thoughts before we uh, send it out? No, that's good. Um, I, I agree 100% with what you said about the, the website. The, the big thing is just to take a, a, a look around at how you're operating on a regular basis and ask what needs to be revamped, what needs to be tweaked to help, um, to help share the gospel more effectively with your neighborhood. All right. Well, until next time and the Astros win their second World Series. May your coffee be as black as Kyle's soul and as bold as my prediction. Have a great day. Take care. What's wrong with you people?